This is the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Episode 10. I'm your host, Wes McAdams, and on today's episode, James Sumners, Sam Dominguez, and I discuss whether or not we really enjoy obeying God. The sponsor of today's episode is Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash campaign capitol hill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com. There you'll find more information on how to join the march for God's word. And now let's jump right into our discussion. I, I always uh, remind myself anytime I'm tasked with uh, teaching a class or, or anything like that, I always remind myself of what my dad told me years and years ago. The first time, just as a kid, when I got asked to, you know, present a a lesson type of, you know, the, the whole three minutes that I that I managed to fill up with that. But I, I remember <clears throat> telling my dad that, you know, I, I didn't need to write down what I wanted to say, you know, and, and I, could, I could get through it without doing that. And he said, you know, it's possible that you could, but that's not how we go about teaching. He said, you need to teach or preach from the overflow. He said, you need to fill your cup with all the knowledge you can possibly squeeze into it until it is overflowing, and then you teach out of that overflow. So there's no potential for you to get up there and in the heat of the moment while you're chasing down a rabbit trail or whatever, saying something you didn't intend to say, you know, and and not to say that there isn't, you know, grace for making mistakes and what have you, but it's just you take it seriously enough that you don't want to be saying things you didn't intend to say. You want to communicate clearly when you're presenting God's Word. And so he, he described that as teaching from the overflow or preaching from the overflow. But as I've gotten older, it seems so much that everything we do should be from the overflow. Mm-hmm. We should be so filled up with God's Word, with God's love, that everything we do is from the overflow of that. The overflow of our gratitude for God's love influences how we treat other people, how we deal with other people. The overflow of praise coming out of us influences our worship and drives our everyday behavior. You know, all all of these things, and yet so much of it in, in our lives is I've got just enough in the cup for it to qualify as there being something in there. Mm-hmm. And there's just enough so that if I pour it out, I have exactly what's required of me. And we somehow think we can quantify all of our interactions and our relationship with God that way. I I think sometimes oblivious to the fact that not only are we failing to do so, but we're not even in a relationship with God. If we've got it nailed down like that, we're not even in a relationship with God. Right. You know, I mean, you think about... you you know, make an analogy to any other relationship in our life, 
you know, if I went home to my wife and say, okay, um, how many, how many times a year should I buy you flowers? You know, I want to know exactly how many times a year I should buy you flowers and, and a nice little, you know, romantic note or something, you know, maybe twice as many as the flowers, you know, and make a list of, okay, this is the minimum requirements. And then, okay, I can do that, you know, or, or uh, when a couple gets married, uh, I do premarital counseling with couples all the time. I've never once said, okay, I want you to make a list of exactly how many romantic things you want the other one to do for you this year. I mean, that would be ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't mean anything if I come home with with a dozen roses and say, okay, I want you to not, you know, check this one off the list. I I did it once this year, you know, and and Valentine's, that'll be twice, you know. So, I mean, nobody would ever do that. Instead, we say, honey, I I just love you so much. I can't hardly, I can't hardly stand it, you know. And that's what means something is that it is, I love that phrase, out of the overflow. And and all of our thing, all the things that we do for God are out of the overflow of how much He loves us and how much we love Him. I think about like Hebrews eleven and verse six, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If we're not diligently seeking Him, if we're just trying to to go down the list of the minimum requirements, then it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to us, and it certainly doesn't mean anything to Him. That's it, and that that's really the key. Everything we do for God has to be uh, out of this overflow. You know, there, there's so much more to joyful obedience than just our songs, because our prayers need to be done with joyful obedience. Our our admonitions that we have to each other, studying, reading, preaching, teaching, being taught to, everything that we we do can be done from that overflow of love and appreciation for God so that it's done with joyful obedience. And, and that's that's really, that's so much what I, I think we struggle with, so many other people struggle with it, because our obedience is obedience. It's not joyful. Mm-hmm. It is a requirement of us. It's not what we desire to do. It is fulfilling a checklist rather than being something you can't be held back from accomplishing for your God. And for so many of us, we've, we've never even, even brushed up against that in our lives, let alone that our lives fulfilling that and being that. And yet we have to wonder, what are we going to do in heaven when literally that's all there is? Is joyful obedience, you know, it, and you know, we we have these these goofy ideas of what heaven is going to be. You know, you and I were talking about it last night. You know, it's going to be the great fishing hole in the sky, or, or I, I said, you know, the gaming library in heaven is going to be amazing, and it, it's it's just such a ridiculous notion, right? Because the glory of heaven is being in God's presence and nothing more. And if we now, as Christians, don't gain any satisfaction, not just satisfaction, but total satisfaction out of simply being in God's presence, being pleasing to God, not only is heaven not going to hold anything for us, we're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. We're not going to achieve it with that kind of attitude. I think we, we've made God into like an idol in that, in that God is just a means to an end, and the end is health, wealth, 
and and eternal bliss, you know, and and it's like no, no, no. God is the end. God is what we are pursuing. And if He's not what you're pursuing, then you're not a Christian. Then you're not a disciple of Jesus. If you're not pursuing the Lord, then then your pursuit is in vain. And it's it's not just pursuing the opposite of punishment, right? You know, there there is a motivating factor there, yes. But Christianity discipleship is well beyond our fear of punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, that we, we, have, we can achieve the obedience of fear real easy, but we need to be down to the obedience of will. We need to be able to stand before God and say, your will is my will. What I seek and desire is what you seek and desire. Now, are we, are we all there? Certainly not. Is it something that we're striving for? Yeah, but there there should be times where we succeed at that. Mm -hmm. So many of us, we hang around the obedience of fear. Occasionally, we bump into the obedience of faith where it's like, well, God wants me to do that, and so so that's what I'm going to do because I want to be pleasing to God. But there's an expectation there that we get to the point that where it's not a challenge between what I want and what God wants, but what we want is what God wants. That's what the spiritually mature Christian should be seeking toward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All this reminds me of uh, Exodus when God uh, tells the people what what the tabernacle tabernacle needs and what they're going to do and who to assign to this and that and whatever and then and then all the people who desire to do so are then asked to to donate what they have to the Lord for the different purposes and they start bringing stuff and they start bringing stuff and they start bringing stuff more and more and more to the point the workers are like. Tell them to stop. They've got to stop. We can't handle anymore. We don't need anymore. They've got to stop. And so the Bible says that they were restrained from giving. Isn't that a beautiful sign? A beautiful image? I mean... They weren't coerced into giving. They were restrained from They were restrained from it. And isn't that beautiful? I mean... That is the kind, I mean, you look at what, what has happened up to that point. There's a lot of things that are going on there, but but there are people who are so giving that they can't help but give what they have to God. They can't help but do what they have to do. They have something that says, I want to give it to God. I want to give all that I have to God. You know, I. it's an amazing idea to think that we have this opportunity. I mean... To be obedient to God. I the other day I was talking to Bella and she, uh, you know, I I have said this and I I hate myself for it and I know that I I don't hate myself. But anyway, that's not the point. The I've said this over and over as a father and I know that every time I've said it, I'm wrong. I I tell her, you don't have to like it, but you have to do it. <laughs> Do, do y'all do y'all say that? I mean, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But no, I, I've never thought about it before. But yeah, I do say it. But we say that. Yeah. And what we're what we're talking about right now is that no, you have to like it. If you're going to do it, you need to like it. Not because I said, but because you love me. What does Jesus say? If you love me, you do what? You obey my commandments. Well, and I think that I think I love to think of the whole redemption, the scheme of redemption the story of God's people, God and his people, about like like the maturing of children. And you look at the old law and it, and it's like it's like their kids, you know, and and God treats them as if they're children. And so there is a law of of strict obedience. And and of course, 
it never gets into the heart the way that it should as teenagers age, you know, for for the most part. Although, obviously, there were individuals that even under the old law, they, they still gave, as you said, gave out of the overflow of their heart. They understood that it wasn't about keeping the minimum requirements, but all the way to the time of the Pharisees, you know they were they were acting like kids. They said, "Well, we're we're doing good. We're we're keeping all the rules." And it's like, "No, no, you're not keeping the rules. You're not righteous. You, you're not right in the sight of God because your heart is far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me." And so, I think there is a an appropriate stage with our kids that that we just tell them, "Look." You do what you're supposed to do, and I always say you don't have to. You, you know, you or, or I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care if you like it or not. What I care about is whether or not you do it. You know, and so at this point, that's what I care about. And I think you're right, though, James. That we've got to help them get to the point where not only what they do is right, but that their motives are right. And that's one thing I don't think we do as Christians enough with each other is help question and challenge each other's motives. We tell each other, oh, you don't have any right to challenge, you know, to question my motives. You, you, you can tell me when I'm wrong, but don't you dare question my heart. And it's like, well, that's exactly what needs to be questioned sometimes, you know? And so when somebody asks me, you know, well, Wes, can, are you telling me if I have a beer, I'm going to hell? I mean, is that really what you're telling me? Or do I have to go to, to Wednesday night Bible class? Are you telling me that if I, if I skip Wednesday night Bible class, I'm going to hell? Is that really what you're saying to me? I want to stop and look at him and why do you want to? You know, why do you want to go have a beer? Why do you why do you want to skip Wednesday night Bible class? Do do you really think that's what's pleasing to the Lord or are you just trying to please yourself and and do the minimum uh that you think God requires of you? And so I think we we ought to challenge each other's motives and heart more often and and ask each other why do you want that? What, why are you going there? Why are you doing that? You know, what, what's behind your, your actions? Well, and, and even in the positive sense, you know, ma- making sure, I mean, we should be doing that with our children, mm-hmm. asking them, well, why, why are you doing this? Do you understand why I asked you to do that? Or do you understand what prompted you uh, to, to make that decision, you know, in a positive and a negative sense. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we're doing things with the right attitude, with the right motivation. And that's that's such a terrifying thing for so many people. They don't want their motivations questioned. But that, more than anything, is what people need. Because there are times when, when they will come to you with a spiritual uh, problem, and they'll say, you know, well, I don't feel that joy. Why don't I feel that joy? Why does this feel like a burden on me instead of instead of having my burdens lifted? And we say, well, you know what? We need to step back and make sure your foundation is what it's supposed to be. Because what this seems like to me is you don't understand enough about who God is and you're not having the proper reaction to him. So let's not worry about why singing or prayer or whatever isn't beneficial to you or joyful why you're struggling with this matter of obedience, let's step back and make sure our motivations are right. Let's make sure we have a firm foundation mm-hmm. upon which to build. Because if if we never question that, if we never get people to examine themselves and make sure that they have that proper attitude, that proper foundation, then they're going to constantly run into spiritual struggles for which the answer is not readily apparent because it comes way back over here. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the particular struggle they're having. It has to do with the foundation that they built upon years and years ago. 
But if we're too afraid to tell them that, if we're too afraid to question that, if we are too afraid to do it to ourselves and to allow our fellow brothers and sisters to hold us to account for the same reasons, then we're never going to be the type of mature Christians that God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. Our overflow is going to be limited. We're not going to be able to achieve that obedience of will. And it goes back to what James quoted a minute ago, what Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I think sometimes we've we've switched that around and said, <laughs> if I keep your commandments, then that's proof that I love you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. that's not what he said. He said, if you love me, because you love me, then you'll do what I say. Just because, just because I, I do nice things for my wife doesn't necessarily mean that I love her. But because I love her, I do things for her. And and so our works are evidence of our faith, but just because we're doing works doesn't necessarily mean we have faith. And so sometimes what I need to be asked and what we need to ask each other is, do you love Jesus? I mean, do you really love Jesus? I mean, it, well, I, I don't like singing. I don't understand why some people like to sing, and I don't like to sing, and that's not the question. The question is, do you like Jesus? Do you, do you like him? Do you love him? Do you, do you want to be in his presence more than anything else in the world? Do you really understand? I mean, really understand in your heart and your mind what he's done for you? I, I, would, I would be fascinated, and I, I've never done it. I've never done it. But this conversation is kind of prompting me that maybe sometimes the appropriate response we should have to some questions, to some people, is to say, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have this yeah. complaint or you have this issue or you have this challenge. It's, it's not always negative. It's not always people being difficult. They're having spiritual issues, what have you. And what we really should just ask is, well, why are you here? Okay? Because there's a possibility that you don't really want to be here. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility that you didn't make a commitment to God when you went in the water and all you did was get wet. You know, and, and a lot of times we fail to emphasize that with people and to make them understand, look, don't do this because you're afraid of being punished. Don't do this just for these small reasons because what you're doing here is making a commitment to God. And if you're unwilling to make that commitment, or if you're grudgingly making that commitment, then just don't make it now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think that all of our preaching and our teaching has to be so theologically rich. I mean, it has to focus on the glory of God rather than just, we tend to just focus on, well, give me the steps. You know, I mean, just give me what I'm supposed to do. Practical application. Right, practical application. That's what people say. Well, I like practical sermons. You know, I like practical Bible classes. It's like, okay, but if nobody ever builds a foundation in you, if nobody ever fills your cup, then you can do to your heart's content. Well, and your heart won't be content. That's the problem, you know, but but you've got to have—that's what the church— is is supposed to be doing is filling each other's cups. We're supposed to be, as Paul puts in Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And that's how we do it. We fill each other up uh, with the glory of God by by teaching and admonishing one another, by showing each other what God's word says and by helping and 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 admonishing each other. Um, but but so often we just want to focus on, well, just tell me what to do. And, and then our our doing is not properly motivated and it's heartless. You know, my my sister-in-law uses a phrase with her, 
uh, one of her son, with her son that um, she asks, "How's your heart? How's your heart?" Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something we should say to people instead of "How are you doing today? Mm-hmm. How's your heart today? How's your heart today? Whether you're good, whether you look good, or whether you look sad, how's your heart today?" Maybe that would start different conversations, mm-hmm. and we could actually get to some some conversations that glorify God more like that. You know, you know what my mom used to tell me, and man, I mean, it got under my skin like nothing else could, and it was the worst thing ever because when your mom gets under your skin, you know she's right, and you know there's <laughs> nothing you can say back, and it's just like, mm, I'm just gonna have to get over this, and she and she could do it, and she could do it so calmly and so sweetly, and it just, I mean, just man, it got under my skin, but. I would say to her, I don't want to whatever, fill in the blank. And her response would be, get your want to fixed. Mm. And I just, I hated that because she cut right through whatever blather I had piled on top of it to say, (laughs) fix your attitude, boy. That's the problem. Yeah. The problem isn't what needs to be done or this or that or the other. The problem is you're having a wrong attitude about this. Go fix it. And that would burn me up, but man, do I I remember it to this day. And there are so many times where spiritually there's there's the little child in me that's saying, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. And the spiritually mature Christian that I'm supposed to be has to turn back and say, then get your want to fixed. Amen. Amen. And it it gets under my skin when I do it, <laughs> even to myself. But man, the, the gratitude I have for my mom, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever shared that with her in a way where I wasn't teasing her about it, but just the gratitude I have for that because it cut right to the chase of the matter for me. Yeah. A big thanks to all of our guests and to Cameron McElyay for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.